Welcome to the Gospel of Grace radio broadcast, a primitive Baptist ministry declaring the good news of the finished work of salvation by grace alone. This weekly radio program is brought to you by Elder Joe Nettles, pastor of Sulphur Springs Primitive Baptist Church in Caledonia, Mississippi, and Elder David Wise, pastor of Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church in Ackerman, Mississippi. We now invite you to stay tuned for our message this morning. Welcome, my listening friends, to the Gospel of Grace radio broadcast. I'm Elder Joe Nettles, and I welcome you also on behalf of Elder David Wise. We are so very thankful that you've tuned in to listen today. Hopefully you're a return listener, but if you're a first-time listener, we pray that it will be a happy habit that you will tune in and join us for the study of God's Word continually every Sunday morning. You can also go to our website that services this broadcast. It's gospel-of-grace. Dot com. You'll find archived messages, frequently asked questions, a church locator, articles, and uh, we encourage you to email us uh, by way of that website and let us know that you're listening. If you have questions, concerns, or uh, praise or complaint, we'll be glad to hear from you. That's gospel-of-grace.com. Uh, today, we would like to bring for you a message uh, regarding Nevertheless, God. Regarding a Lord who is able to do good and often does do good unto us in spite of what we deserve. So, after this hymn, we'll be right back with today's message.
Thank you so much for staying tuned with us here at the Gospel of Grace Radio Broadcast. I'm Elder Joe Nettles, and today I would like to begin an examination of a word that we find quite often in Scripture, but maybe we don't pay it much attention. And that word is nevertheless. Nevertheless is a handy little word. It basically is used in place of in spite of. So when you use it in a sentence, basically everything that you described before nevertheless After using nevertheless, you state what is a very unexpected result, an unexpected outcome. If you take into consideration what was described before the use of nevertheless, maybe you would never rationally think that the end would turn out that way. And we see this throughout the Word of God. And we'd like to look at some of the examples that we see of the usage of the word nevertheless in Scripture. So right now I'm turned to Judges chapter 2. Judges chapter 2, and we're going to read verses 14 through 17. And the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel, and he delivered them into the hands of spoilers that spoiled them. Spoilers here means those who would conquer them, who would uh, rob and steal from them. He sold them into the hands of their enemies round about, so that they could not any longer stand before their enemies. Whithersoever they went out, the hand of the Lord was against them for evil, as the Lord had said, and as the Lord had sworn unto them, and they were greatly distressed. Now, just reading that phrase, you would think, well, there's not very much hope at all for these people. They have angered the Lord. They have tempted the Lord. They have offended the Lord. They have done that which is extremely foolish, that which was downright wicked. But then in verse 16, we see, nevertheless, the Lord raised up judges, which delivered them out of the hand of those that spoiled them. And yet they would not hearken unto their judges, but they went a whoring after other gods and bowed themselves unto them. They turned quickly out of the way which their fathers walked in, obeying the commandments of the Lord, but they did not so. The point of this is after nevertheless, it says the Lord raised up judges which delivered them out of the hand of those that spoiled them. You see, God had suffered those people to come in and to conquer Israel, to oppress Israel for a reason, to show Israel the error of their ways, to use the wickedness of the spoilers to unfold upon Israel so that Israel might face some hard times, so that Israel might see that now it is time, truly, that we have been foolish. We need to repent, be converted, and we need to turn back to the Lord. I like to use nevertheless here because it shows the great mercy of the Lord that when people had done things as wickedly as the Israelites had described in this text of scripture, we see nevertheless, the Lord was still merciful to them. He was still trying to mold them. He was still devoted to them. Remember, my friends, the Lord is better to us than we could ever deserve. Time after time, he suffers us to stumble into pits. Yes, we can make foolish choices. Yes, we can even disobey the word of God. And that gets us into quite a pickle from time to time. He suffers us or allows us to stumble into these pits so that we might learn to avoid them. He chasteneth because he loves. That's right. The Lord only punishes or chastens his children whom he loves. 
Now, we're not talking about judgment, destruction, woe and misery and things of that nature necessarily that the Bible describes against the wicked. We're talking about what uh, harsh things, those things that the Lord allows to touch his children, not for the sake of destroying them, not for the sake of retribution, but for the sake of changing them, of moving them toward a right frame of mind and a right way of living. It's like a parent who disciplines a child. A parent in their right minds and hearts, they do not, a parent does not discipline a child just to pour out violence against that child or to be harsh to that child, just to have vengeance against the child. No, by all means, when a parent with a loving heart and mind disciplines a child, it is for the purpose of the improvement and the betterment of that child. And I would to God that uh, many of God's children out there today would learn how to discipline their own children. How many times have you seen parents that wouldn't bring their children to church because they were terrified of their own children making noise or not obeying? Friends, if you're in that state, if you have children under your home and they are ruling the roost, if you're not able to take vacations, go to restaurants, or even go to public worship because you're afraid of being embarrassed by your children, that is not the fault of those children. It is your square fault. It is your fault because it is your responsibility to have control over your children, not to be oppressive dictators over your children, but that your children might have a healthy reverential fear of their parents. Because fathers, you emulate the Lord Jesus Christ. And we, as his children, should have a reverential fear of our Lord. So therefore, you should exercise the same over your children. So if I'm describing your case today, today is a good time to start. Because I guarantee you, friend, the older they get, the more difficult. Nah, even at a, there will come a time when it's impossible to get them under control, to make them pleasant to be around, to mold them into the responsible person that you desire and pray for them to be. Now, <clears throat> looking at the concept of the Lord chastening his own children, we look in Hebrews chapter 12. It says, for whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth. So there very plainly is stated that everyone the Lord loves, he chastens. All right, you'd have to have help to misunderstand that. So let's read on. <clears throat> For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth and scourgeth. That means uh, disciplines or puts the, the disciplining rod, scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. If ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. Now, honestly, being chastened doesn't feel good. But friends, we're in a sin-cursed world. And, uh, you know, when we disobey. We are deserving of the chastening rod of God. And again, it is for our improvement. It is for our good. He said, but uh, if ye be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, all who, remember he said, for whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth. So that's who's under consideration, whom the Lord loveth. But if ye be without chastisement, whereof all all that he loveth are partakers, then are ye bastards and not sons. Furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh which corrected us, and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the Father of spirits and live? 
For they verily for a few days chastened us after their own pleasure, but he for our profit, that we might be partakers of his holiness. Now no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, there's that word again, nevertheless. Afterward it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. Wherefore, lift up the hands which hang down and the feeble knees, and make straight paths for your feet, lest that which is lame be turned out of the way. But let it rather be healed. So what do we learn from that? Well, obviously we confer from this that God does not have a salvific, that means a saving love, for all of mankind. In fact, the Bible is very plain that there is a large portion of mankind. How large? I don't know. That's not my business. That's the Lord's. That the Lord does not love. If he did love them, according to scripture, he would quicken them into everlasting life. If he did love them, he would chasten them. If he did love them, he paid for their sin debt on the tree of the cross, and he would have them in heaven one day. But yet we know there is a vast uh, number of the human population that will meet that final judgment day left to their own righteousness, which is null and void. And what a dreadful day that will be for them. But for everyone the Lord loveth, for everyone that he's ever chastened, now obviously the Lord doesn't come down uh, as a gleaming angel with a rod in his hand and physically whip us. None of us have ever experienced that. But have you ever felt like you've been smitten in the heart? I mean, not just because you got caught, not just because you, you know, feel guilty because somebody found out about it. Now it's going to make your social situation or your work situation worse. No. Have you ever felt smitten in your heart that you've done something wrong that is so very wrong against people that you were supposed to love and ultimately that you've done it against God? As David cried in 51st Psalm, against thee, thee only, have I sinned. You see, have you ever felt that way with a burden toward God that, Lord, I'm sorry for what I've done. I feel sick about it. Well, then you've been chastened of God. If that chastening brought you to a repentant and a humble state before an almighty God. Here it also teaches us that, no, chastening is not pleasant, but afterwards it yieldeth the peaceable fruits of righteousness. Now, I remember many times my daddy would give me a pure D licking, a shellacking, and I would cry and snot and slobber, and I would just absolutely, under my breath, want to curse him and praying God to kill him. <laughs> it wasn't pleasant at all. I never thought there could be any good out of this. Oh, woe is me. Today I'm going to die because I got a whooping. No, but then, now that I'm older and more mature and I'm able to look back on things, hindsight's twenty twenty, right? I'm able to see that he did it for my good, that he did it so that I might be a responsible person who's able to tolerate hardship with some measure of patience. Yes, even though God's children oftentimes deserve utter destruction. And I'm going to tell you, uh, we are worthy when we sin. Uh, even just one of our sins, if they were placed upon a spotless being, uh, we would sully that person with sin to the point that hell would have to be their domain after death. And we sin sins like that continually. Even the foolish thought is sin. Nevertheless, friends, nevertheless, God deals with us as his sons and he chastens us in a parental way. He will not destroy us in a judicial way. Why? Because all of the eternal judgment that would rightfully have come down upon our heads 
Jesus Christ paid for completely on the tree of the cross when he redeemed us from the curse of the law. For as it is written, cursed is every man that hangeth on a tree. As he hung on that tree, he took our eternal sin debt away from us. So therefore we will not suffer the second death. We will not suffer woe and misery in hell forevermore if we are his elect, his beloved, his children. And my friends, if you've felt the chastening rod of the Lord, it may bring tears in the night. It may bring bitter agony in your heart and a, a darkness to your mind. But I'm here to tell you, rejoice, because according to the word of God, that is an evidence of a child of grace. Let's look at another use of the word nevertheless. I go to 1 Kings chapter 15, verse, and I'm going to read verses 1 through 5. Now in the 18th year of King Jeroboam, the son of Nabat, reigned Abijam over Judah. Three years ruled, I'm sorry, reigned he in Jerusalem. And his mother's name was Maacah, the daughter of Abishalam. And he walked in all the sins of his father, which he had done before him. And his heart was not perfect with the Lord his God as the heart of David, his father. Nevertheless, now, what did we just see before? We see that this is a tough booger, that this person here is doing wickedness. He's walking in the sins of his father. And if you'll read about the sins of some of these kings, it will uh, bring goose pimples to you and a pallor uh, over your countenance to think about the wickedness and the vile way in which so many of these kings lived. And here uh, in the year of King Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, Abijam, who was ruling over Judah, over Judah now, this uh, reserved uh, tribe in the name of the Lord, consecrated to the Lord, here Abijam is living a very wicked life. Now, friends, God is all truth. God is all righteousness. God is a God of judgment. Somebody may say, no, he's not. He's a God of love. He is a God of love. But his love will never destroy his essence of judgment. One cannot trump the other. No, they must harmonize. That's why it took Jesus Christ to come in all of his love and to die for our sins. Okay? So here he's one who is living contrary to God. God, by all rights, could destroy this man based upon his own sinfulness. But yet we read, nevertheless. Now, someone may say, well, obviously, if he's done these things, then he should bear the brunt of the injury for them, that he should be uh, chastened for, that he should be punished for these things. But notice the word of God, nevertheless, for David's sake, did the Lord his God give him a lamp in Jerusalem to set up his son after him and to establish Jerusalem? Because David did that, which was right in the eyes of the Lord. David, who had been long dead, mind you, David, who was just his forefather, who had been long dead, uh, here it said, on account of David, because David did that which was right in the eyes of the Lord and turned not aside from anything that he commanded him all the days of his life. Isn't that the imputed love of the Lord? Because we know David transgressed against the Lord. Uh, he lay with Bathsheba. He impregnated her out of wedlock. He killed Uriah the Hittite. Here David did some very dastardly things. But here in the eyes of God, who has imputed his everlasting love unto him, here he's presented as one who has never done anything untoward. He said, save only in the matter of Uriah the Hittite. That is a very positive spin on the life of David. But yet, my friends, we have a God who is positive 
that his righteousness will be laid to the account of every one of his children. So here we see uh, that uh, Abijam, who had lived so wickedly, and the people that he represented, even though they had been drawn into this wickedness, yet they were spared not based on anything that could be found in the land or in Abijam in that day. Nothing. Void. They had no merit to present before the Lord. They had done very badly, very wrongly, but yet because of what someone else had done, someone who had died long before, based upon uh, his intention, God's intention to do good for David and his seed, these people were spared this day. How often, my friends, are our children, your children, your sweet children that are at home, that are about to face dreadful things going out in this world, multitude of temptations, terrible influences. How many times are your children or your fellow church members, fellow church members that, uh, you know, maybe they're growing apathetic, maybe they're growing cold, uh, maybe they're not behaving in their marriage the way they ought to, maybe they're not uh, living in a disciplined life the way they ought to, or maybe your friends, maybe you have some friends that, don't really act friendly toward the Lord. They act friendly toward the world and they don't really live a sanctified life. How many times are our children or these church members who are our brothers and sisters in Christ or our friends of our acquaintance, how many times are they blessed on our account? Have you ever thought of that? That you being devoted to the Lord, you reading his word, you going to your bower of prayer, praying for them, uh, praying the Lord forgive you for your many sins and transgressions, owning the Lord's righteousness and humbling yourself before him. My friends, I'm here to tell you God is pleased with that. And he's a God who has the right to bless whomever he deems worthy to bless just because it pleases him. Remember, it is not of him that willeth nor of him that runneth, but of God that showeth mercy. And friends, if because of something you do in honoring the Lord, serving the poor, giving charitably, working diligently in the church, being part of the solution, not part of the problem, being an encourager and not a discourager in the kingdom of Christ. Friends, how God can bless these people in your realm of experience, these people uh, that are related to you. Hey, look, David had long died. What about your great, great, great grandchildren if the world stands that long? What about them? Maybe the Lord will see fit to bless them and pull them out of a fire and save them from a great troubling and destructive situation based not upon anything that they've done, but maybe because of something their great, 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 great grandfather or grandmother did in praying for them, even though they didn't even know what their name was going to be in the future. Oh, friends, should this not give us a compulsion to holiness and righteousness? Should this not give us a desire to honor and glorify the Lord, first because he's worthy of it, but also, my friends, because of the benefits and the blessings uh, that we receive in our lives and that can be shared with others. Friends, I'm here to tell you, there's a lot of good the Lord has, and he's not stingy with it. You hear me? He can bless you. He can open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing upon you that all the storehouses you could ever build in your feeble little life could never hold. He's just that good of a God. Friends, why do you think we're still existence in the United States of America today when for the last generations we've been slaughtering innocent unborn babies in the womb? 
Uh, how, how merciful do you think the Lord has been to us in this day and age in which we live when we uh, thumb our nose at the very first most beautiful institution that he established upon this earth, the marriage, the institution of the family, and we make a mockery out of it by trying to allowing people to exchange vows in churches under the hand of so-called ministers or priests, these people who are sodomites, these people who deny the word of God, who think that they have just as much right to marry as anyone else. This is perverse, my friends. And yet here we still are. And even though we've had some economic troubles, we are so very blessed and still safe in this country. Why? Why would God do that? My friends, maybe it was because of your great-grandparents who served the Lord and lived in discipline and who believed what the word of God says. That when God, the word of God says a man and a woman should be married, that it should be a man and a woman. When God's word said thou shalt not kill, then they saw that they shouldn't kill. When God's word said to be honest, they didn't cheat on their taxes, they didn't cheat their neighbor. When God's word said let your yea be yea and your nay be nay, they didn't have to uh, be recorded in a contract to do that which was right. A handshake and their word was ample enough. You see, friends, those people lived lives that unfortunately many people are losing sight of. They're not able to enjoy the steadfast, rock-solid life of discipleship because they become too cold, too distant, too unbelieving. Oh, friends, I want Lord to have mercy on my children, my grandchildren, and the future generations. And so I would encourage you, brothers and sisters, Take heed to these things because we have a God who is able to do in spite of. He is able to do nevertheless. Uh, he is able to bring beauty from ashes. Friends, he is able to take a million Israelites from slave to free victors. He is able to move them across dry shod on a divided Red Sea. That God is the same God today. Now let's humble ourselves before him. Let's praise his name. And let us cling to the God who does for us in spite of all the wickedness and all the evil that we do. Lord, have mercy on us. Help us to love you more. I hope these things have been an encouragement to you. We'll carry on with this subject, Lord willing, next time we bring these things to your mind. Until that time, I pray that uh, you will consider these things and that the Lord will give a special blessing unto you all. God bless. If you enjoy the messages you hear on the Gospel of Grace radio broadcast, we invite you to visit a Primitive Baptist Church in your community. To find a Primitive Baptist Church near you, to listen to past messages online, and to find further contact information, you can visit our website at gospel-of-grace.com. You can also find our program on iTunes under podcast entitled The Gospel of Grace, a Primitive Radio Broadcast. 
If you listen and enjoy our program, we would love to hear from you. You may contact us by email at gospelofgracepb at gmail.com. This program is produced by Sulphur Springs Primitive Baptist Church, 40283 Wolf Road, Caledonia, Mississippi, and Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church, 11 Staten Road, on Highway 15, just north of Ackerman, Mississippi. We would love for you to come and worship with us each Sunday morning at 1030 a.m. We invite you to tune in again next week for another message from the Gospel of Grace. Until next time, we pray God shall supply all your need according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus our Lord. Wonderful the mass of